0: And welcome back to the Ford Taylor Talks podcast. I'm Pat Williams with Ford Taylor, the star of the show. You hate when I say that, but Gosh. you really are the star. No. You're a shining star, Ford Taylor.
1: I'm not a star. I might be shining because we're on radio. We don't wear makeup on radio, but that's not because of being a star.
0: Ford, I want to give a shout out to producer Jamie. He's been a great help to us. We're, uh, we're rookies, if you will, at this, but he's uh, held our hand and walked us through and providing us a lot of guidance and help. We really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, Jamie. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of iHeartMedia and helping us so much. We, it's been fun as we go through this together, and we all get lit together. Thank you for getting lit with us, Jamie.
0: Ford. We are wrapping up a series that, quite frankly, it's a touchy topic. We thought about talking about this, and then we were asked to put a series episodes together which we have and i gotta be honest with you, i didn't know what to expect but uh, a lot of a lot of things i heard i had never heard before.
1: yeah well pw one of the reasons i was excited when we got to ask was because you know i do a lot of podcasts on the other end on the interview e side and i get asked these questions a lot and and, and they continually tell me, the, the host as well as their listeners go, wow, we've never, we've never heard this perspective before. And so for us to be able to do it, to, to share a little bit different perspective for, to those and with those who look like us, that's just been a, it's, it's been a pleasure to be able to do that. And if we lost some listeners, then we live with that. But my hope is, is that, that people at least took one step back and said, just what if, what if
0: poured in the spirit of racial healing and reconciliation, if our listeners listened to the seven episodes prior to this one, it would be helpful. But if they haven't heard any of those episodes, my goal during this episode would kind of be a recap, if you will, of some of the things that I learned, but you'll be able to really talk about in little, in, um, in greater detail, if you Let's do that. The first thing that I heard, and it really drove home uh, in regards to racial healing and reconciliation, was to stay at the table. Now, for our listeners, what does that mean to stay at the table?
1: Well, PW, we all have our own uh, system. You know, we all think a certain way, we all have been raised a certain way. We, we have our own self identities, our own core beliefs, and and when we come to the table with people who are different than us, well, we can hear things that may shove up against what we believe to be true, and and it can cause our stomachs to churn. And what happens is, when that happens, we've talked about this. Uh, you know, we we can become fearful, fear, frustration, or pain when that happens. Uh, emotional pain, uh, epinephrine kicks into our system. Our brains get small, uh, anger kicks in, and then we become irrational. And so we start saying things that we wouldn't normally say or do. But when someone says, I'm going to stay at the table no matter what you say, man, if you can really do that, it opens the door. You ready? To build trust. PW, that means I don't have to agree with you. You don't have to be right. I don't have to be right. You don't have to be wrong. I don't have to be wrong but we all have the right to feel how we feel. But it's hard to stay at the table if you've got a line in the sand that my system is smarter than your system. My core beliefs are better than your core beliefs. My self-identity is tied up into who I am and what you said just just nailed not just what I believe, but the person I am. But if we can stay at the table, And we can say, you know, I care more about how you feel. I mean, think about that. And I care whether I'm right or not. Now we can get somewhere. And that's what stay at the table means.
0: So, perfect segue. Every guest, including Greg, who only has known you for 30 days, said the key to really understanding is being in relationship, taking the time to not only begin a relationship, you got to stay in there to have those conversations. Um, And I felt like all of our guests shared and Ford, I know you hate this, but uh, there's a deep love that those people have for you because you thought enough about them and, and, and cared enough about this issue to, to really be in relationship with them.
1: Yeah. And PW, it, for people who didn't listen to all of them, um, even on one of them, one, I won't say which one, but they were texting me before and said, I'm only doing this because it's you. Because my trust with other people who look like you is so low, I'm afraid how this might be used against me one day. And so I don't know how to, to really get that point across, to stay at the table long enough to build those kinds of relationships. You know, one of our guests, uh, as, as we were going through the relationship, I'll, I'll never forget that as, I, as we were giving each other feedback, uh, you know, I said to her one day, can I give you some feedback? And, and she said, yes. And I said, I want you to hear that what I'm about to say is not your fault. I'm not blaming you for what I'm about to say. And she said, well, let me have it. I said, but you got to hear it through the lens. I'm not blaming you. I'm blaming me. And she said, Okay. I said, number one, you're brilliant, you're smart. Number two, you're a woman. Number three, you're black.
0: Okay? And, and, and think about this.
1: You're walking out the door. You're a smart, black, brilliant, and oh, by the way, beautiful woman. And so when you walk out the door every day, you're, you start off four points behind, and that's not your fault. Why is that? It's because of my insecurity. And so because of my insecurity, when you speak, I hear anger. When now I've I've gotten to know you, and I understand that's passion. But for me, in my insecurity, in pushing up against my core beliefs, pushing up against my self-identity, it sounds like you're mad. But now that I know her better, guess what? I know the difference. And and so I'm saying that if we stay at the table and we're in those deep relationships, we don't always hear, I'm just going to talk like white people talk, an angry black person every time they tell something because we understand the difference between anger and passion.
0: Or when you say, that's just me, are you talking about white people in general? When you say, it's just me?
1: That's people who look like me. Okay. It's people who look like me. It's white, male with insecurity okay and because of our insecurities okay because of our belief system when you speak we hear anger and I, I just said to her if you could tone it down just a little I think people could hear you better but but I know the difference now because of the relationship and so I know when my friends are angry and I know when they're passionate and it doesn't just mean black and white that's just knowing people I mean, I bet I could tell the difference when you get passionate about something and when you get angry about something, because we're in relationship, and so that's what that means. Stay at the table. In PW, you got to remember that some part of the table, probably half, they aren't relational people; they're transactional people. You know, they're all about get it fixed, get it fixed, get it fixed, get it fixed, get it done, get it done. In other words, the the task, the transaction, is what's important to them. On the other end, we got the people that the relationships was important. Well, it's hard for transactional people to stay at the table to build the relationships so we can get the transaction done. But if we can understand that and be able to stay, again, I still believe that those tables that I'm talking about become part of the solution.
0: Ford, would it be safe to say that In your short time with Greg, you saw a transformation from transactional to relational, which some people uh, wouldn't understand that term. But did you see that in him in just the short time that you were with him that that there was a more value on the relationship side?
1: Yeah, as Greg said in his interview himself, you know, I showed up at the right time because I was in a broken place, and I was open to hearing because of my brokenness, because of what I had done. And and so I watched him quickly go from, and I didn't know him before, but from his own words, maybe someone who wasn't open to the kind of feedback that he heard in our days together. He wasn't open to what he had heard because he sat in the room and listened to me do a podcast on the subject. You know, before this, he probably wasn't even open to hearing, and now he's going, wow, look what happened. By changing the way I think, it changed the way I feel, which means it changed my emotions. It changed, it gave a chance for my heart to change. Well, by changing those thoughts, having new knowledge, remember, new knowledge leads to new attitude, which leads to new behavior. Old knowledge, old attitude, same old behavior. And so he experienced new knowledge, a new way of thinking, which is. A new attitude, which is a new way of feeling, which is a new behavior, which is a new way of acting. And you heard him say that he came home and his behavior changed. And he shared the stories about what he came back and did with his wife, his children, community leaders. And so, yeah, but we have to have a change in the way we think to be able to change the way we feel, to be able to change the way we behave. So think of it, PW. Think about... Even this issue that we're talking about, and you can apply this to any issue, okay? If we keep thinking the way we've always thought, we're going to keep feeling the way we've always felt. If we keep feeling the way we've always felt, we're going to keep behaving the way we've always behaved. And if we keep behaving the way we've always behaved, we're going to keep getting the same outcome we've always gotten. The results are not going to change. Now, you and I both know, go look in the dictionary, and that's called insanity, At what point do we stop the insanity? At what point do we stay at the table? Do we build the relationship so deep that we can hear each other so we can have a change of thought, a change of heart, so we can see transformation? Or do we just keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting things to change?
0: That's good stuff for you. You know, one thing that I wrote down in my notes was in the spirit of, racial healing and reconciliation that we need to start listening with our hearts. And as you and I have had deep conversation, people in general aren't very good listeners anyway. <laughs> and now we're asking them. So let's just get past this. They don't listen. They're running social commentary while you're speaking. they already know your answer. They're worrying about what they're missing on their phone. <laughs> I mean, so we're bad listeners anyway, but now you're telling us to, besides being bad listeners, now we have to listen with our hearts if we're really going to experience change around this subject.
1: Yeah, and, and and I'm telling you, that's something I'm still working on. I may go to my grave working on that one. It's hard not to think of what you want to say while someone's talking. I mean, to get your brain to focus 100%, to hear the words and the meaning behind the words, to be able to read the facial expression, to see the body language, you know, what are they really feeling underneath or over the top of? What are they saying? Because if I'm thinking about how am I going to respond and tell them I don't agree with them, if I'm going to say, but, but, but when they finish, guess what? I'm not hearing how they feel. I'm only hearing what they say, and, and I'm telling you, I'm admitting to you and our audience, that's not easy, and I still have to be careful. Uh, you know, one of the things that we talk about, even on our team, I mean, my wife and I talk about it, uh, I, I, you know, I, I have some gifts, and I have some things I'm not gifted at at all, and one of the things that, that we share is that often our number one asset is also our number one liability. Our number one gift is our number one problem. And so our team tells me, you know, Ford, uh, you can be intimidating because uh, I have a core belief that when you get to the truth and the facts and those line up, relationships are immediately restored. So when I'm out doing that for other people, they pay a ton of money for it. Why? Because I'm getting the quick, fast solutions for them. But boy, when I do it for myself, When I start asking you questions to help me understand what you're saying to me, to get to the truth and the facts, all of a sudden you don't care how I feel. So it's this great gift when I do it for you with someone else, but I do it for me with you, all of a sudden it's my biggest liability. When right the opposite is true, I care so much how you feel, I don't want either one of us to leave in a muck, that that I either leave with a blind spot or you leave with Lens that's just not true, but that can sound offensive to you when we're talking about me. But when I'm helping you with somebody else, you love that gift, yeah. You see what I'm saying? So we have to be careful, all of us, that as we're listening, that we don't let our biggest asset, whatever that is, become our biggest liability, even at the same table.
0: You know, after the George Floyd murder, and The subsequent rioting, I had a black friend reach out to me and say, Hey, let's get together for a cup of coffee. And while you were just talking, A, I was listening, (laughs) but I was also thinking about really a missed opportunity during that meeting. And I love this brother dearly, huge heart, lots of influence in my hometown of uh, Springfield. But I'm thinking, I was really listening with my head and I was very intentional about letting him talk most of that meeting and he appreciated that. But I don't know if I was listening with my heart now that I think back on it and what's great about working with you and doing these podcasts. Now I can go back and make that right. Uh, You know, well done. You know, I can, I can literally go back. I already made a note. I'm going to call him. I'll go back and sit with him, apologize. And, he, and he'll say it because I know him. What are you apologizing for? Yeah. But I'm going to tell him why. And, again, it will it'll, it'll help he and I. As a
1: relationship. It absolutely will. And, P.W., what you'll find is that a lot of us that are white that believe that we have deep friendships with those of us who are different skin color, you start finding out they're not as deep as you think because we listen with our head. And when you go back and you do this, you may find that he'll share some things with you because now there's a trust level that he may have never shared before. You know, those athletes that we played sports with in high school, those relationships that we had over time that never really told us these things, okay? And we thought we were friends, but we had not built the trust for them to be able to share with us the things that we've heard over over this series over the series of what would it take to bring racial reconciliation?
0: I want to make sure that we add a bullet point to listening with your heart. Don't confuse passion with anger.
1: That's right. And and again, when people talk with passion and they're pushing our buttons, we hear anger. And again, and we blame them because they're angry. Now, there's also times that people are angry. But guess what? Let them be angry. Let let them spew. It's okay. I tell people, I'll be your tree. Just imagine that here I am. I'm a human being, and I'm going to be a tree. You can say anything you want. If there's things you want to say to people who look like me, say it to me. I will sit here and listen, and I will nod my head, and I will hear your heart, and I will hear your head. And you don't have to worry because a tree can't fight back. And I will not fight back with my mouth. I won't fight back with my hands. I'm just going to listen. Even if you're mad. And it's okay.
0: Lord, we've, uh, we're living in a time where the vision is real. We see it every day. But when you talk about religion or the Bible or Jesus, or God, it it really is a is a dividing subject matter, and to the person of all the guests that we had, really all said the same. We asked for solutions. What would you do? What is the solution to racial reconciliation, uh, in in healing? And they all said the same thing.
1: Yeah, isn't that amazing? Because while we, we have a high faith, we're trying really hard on this podcast to give tools that help everybody without uh, being so overtly, got to have Jesus, got to have Jesus, no matter what, you got to have Jesus. So we're trying not to do that on the podcast because we want people, yeah, I mean, my heart is that people would get to that place, but I want to give them things in a way that helps them, even if they're not there. But every single guest, when we said, what's the solution? They said, the only solution we can see is to have a change of heart, that God changes your heart towards this subject. Why? Because we're still looking for our government to solve this. And and, and, and and when you're at odds with each other, when you can't even have a conversation of what's the best thing to do for the American people around a pandemic, what's the best thing to do for the American people when people are dying in a pandemic, the economy's crushed, what's the best thing to do during this racism issue when you're at 100% odds because you got to look good because you got to get elected? And I'm not judging that. I'm just giving you the reality of it. That's just the reality. How in the world can you be the solution? It, it, it's not possible. And so somehow other people that are willing to have a transformation of the heart, a transformation of the way we think, We're going to have to be the solution. Now, if those leaders could have that transformation, it would happen much faster because they would start understanding, you know what? It's not about us. It's not about whether or not we get elected. It is about helping the American people. And I'm not talking about a president. I'm not talking about a senator. There are presidents. There are senators. So don't put them all in the category I just talked about. But if you think about it as a category, as a government, how in the world do you beat each other up during an election and just destroy each other's reputation and then go to the table? I mean, can you, and then expect to bring reconciliation? Can you imagine me doing a job interview with an employee and the whole interview just beat the snot out of them? Tell them they're useless, you got no integrity, you're dumb, and then bring them to work and say, now, let's work together. It's just the most illogical thing I've ever heard.
0: So where does the church, I mean, what, what role does the church play? Because it's been quiet, in my opinion. Now, of course, you'd have to turn off all media and really do your own work. <laughs> my, my church family has been very active around this subject. very active in racial healing. And reconciliation. That's only what I see. It's going to take more than one church.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you got a couple of things going on. Number one, uh, individuals, I mean, the ecclesia, the church are the sent ones, the ones that go out and then you got the buildings where we go in. Okay. But the individuals right now, they're afraid and you know, they don't know what to say. If, in other words, if, if you give your opinion on something that's counter to what's the public cultural opinion right now, you just get slammed. In other words, you can have the right to your opinion, but you don't give me the right to mine. And because of that, the church is afraid right now. The, I know so many church leaders, P.W., they're, we're ready to stand up. I mean, we're ready to say, guys, enough is enough. But a lot of them are just afraid to say enough is enough because every little word gets dissected by social media and you can say a thousand of the right things in one sentence. And even if it's right, it can be taken out of context. And then all of a sudden you get hammered for that one sentence. And so where's the church right now? I think they're a little bit afraid. Okay. But we have to get over that fear because, and, and the other thing is, let's be honest. We as a church, you know, this thing that we call the body of Christ, remember we talked about communication on our podcast. And 93% of what we communicate is an individual. 55% of it's our body language. 38% is our tone of voice. And only 7% is our words. So think about this body that we call the body of Jesus Christ. And think about the 93% that we collectively communicate. We're not doing ourselves any favors. I mean, we're, we, we talk so much about what we're against instead of what we're for. And then the things that we say were for, we fail miserably in those areas, and so our seven percent words and our ninety-three percent body language. And I'm talking about collectively, they don't line up. And when they don't line up, guess what? No credibility. No credibility. And so if we want the church to have a voice, then we have to we have to start lining up. You know, when we say, "If you find Jesus." You find peace and patience and hope and joy and goodness and gentleness and kindness and meekness and humility and your are full of love and you care about others more than you care about yourself. I mean, that's what we teach. But does the 93% does the tone and the action do we show that? Is that what people look and go, oh, yeah, that is right? I would argue the answer is no. You know, when, when you say that we have a, a playbook that we call the Bible, that says, don't gossip. I mean, how many people do you know that don't gossip? Very few. And we do it in prayer meetings oh, yeah. through prayer requests. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying that if the church wants influence, then our body language and our tone at some point are going to have to line up with our words.
0: That's a whole other podcast, isn't it? <laughs>
1: that's, a, that's a whole other that's, that's about 17 podcasts right there. <laughs>
0: For this has been a. Uh, a real eye-opener. It's been a, been a hard few hours that we've spent here sharing and hearing and listening. But thank you for leading. And after sitting through the episodes and hearing the stories from your friends, which you've uh, stayed at the table with, that you've built the relationships with, that you've listened with your heart and, and are in deep covenant with them, even people that you've just met. I don't, I don't know who else could have sat there and led this. I mean, I, I, I know people. I know leaders. But I don't know who could have brought the experience uh, to this subject like you did.
1: Well, P.W., you know, I, I, uh, very kind words, and I appreciate it. And I, I, but I want you to hear they stayed at the table, too. This wasn't a one-sided stay at the table. Yeah, good point. I mean, they stayed, too. Uh, I, I, I had to be taught. I had to listen. And, 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 and they would all tell you their perspectives have changed just as mine have changed. And so thank you for the kind words. But, you know, one person can't stay at, I mean, one person can stay at this table by themselves, but nothing gets accomplished. And so when a group comes to the table, uh, or two, or three, or four, they all have to stay. Because if, if, Three leave and one stays. We still get nowhere. So thank you for the kind words, but let's remember they stayed at the table too.
0: Ford, as we wrap, you know we have this tagline: it's love, influence, and transform. We almost had that switch there, but there was a smart person in the room. Was that Sandra? Or was that one of the girls? Somebody? Oh, you! Shh, <laughs> no. Don't say that. But anyway, uh, but yes. I lo-
1: I'm going to cut you off. I did go to Sandra and the girls and say, look, they're trying to get me to do LTI. Here's my heart on why I think it ought to be LIT. And my daughter goes, Dad, do you know what LIT means? And that's when we, we talked about that. But, yes, it was my daughters and wives that said, yeah, we, we think you ought to stay with LIT. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay.
0: Well, let's, as we try to do and, and be intentional, uh, let's end with some words of encouragement our listening audience and thank you for listening it's been a blast
1: yeah come on guys men women young people boys and girls think about it what if we could learn to love in a way that we cared more about others than we cared about how they saw us what if we focused intentionally on allowing that love to grow our influence our influence with everyone, up, across, down, our influence with ourselves, and as we talked about today, that personal transformation, an influence with God. See, I believe when that happens that we truly can see transformation. Transformation in our own personal lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our companies, our churches, our classrooms, and eventually we would have an impact on enough individuals and organizations that we might impact our cities and our nations. So consider just think about it. Is it worth it to get lit? Thank you for listening to this episode of Ford Taylor talks for more information and resources to help you love influence and transform. Please visit Ford